Who do you think you are? If you're a parent or maybe when you were a kid, you've either heard that saying or you've said it out loud. I still can feel the breeze blowing on my face from sometimes when I would smart mouth my mom and I'd feel her head whip around and that breeze would almost hit me in the face. It was so quick. And she'd say, who do you think you're talking to? Who do you think you're talking to? I think sometimes we forget when we're talking to God or we're talking about God. Who are we talking to? We're going through this series, Hello, My Name Is, and we're looking at the names of God, and we've already talked about uh, the name Elohim, which is talking about God's creative power and Him as creator. We talked about Jehovah Nissi, which is the Lord is my banner. He may seem powerful and distant when you think about Him in those ways, so big, so strong, that how could we ever relate to Him? But today we're going to talk about a name that really deals with how He interacts with us. This Hebrew word, Adonai, which is a name for God, which literally is translated Lord. It carries the meaning of a master, and it was often used by the Israelites instead of saying Yahweh or Jehovah, because they did not want to use God's name in vain, and so they would use the title Lord many times. But it could also be used of normal everyday people, like we would say Sir. Adonai has a corresponding word in the Greek New Testament, which is kurios. And that word literally means the same thing, Lord or Master. And if you look in Bible dictionaries, they give you some really good definitions that, to me, create a lot of understanding for us. It talks about... He who has power of deciding. It also describes it as the possessor or disposer of a thing. And that's a powerful idea to wrap our minds around of God as Lord and Jesus as Lord. It also describes him as the owner, one who has control of a person. You see, Yahweh, and we'll study that name later on in this series, is sometimes translated Lord in English as well when you're reading the Old Testament. So it gets a little confusing when you see the word Lord. It's not always Adonai, but here's a good example or a good understanding of it. In Exodus chapter 4, we know the story of Moses in the burning bush. And you'll see that word Lord in there many times. Sometimes it's Jehovah or Yahweh, and other times it's the word Adonai, Lord. Here's how you understand the difference normally. When you see it describing God or saying God said this and it has Lord, that's the word Jehovah or Yahweh. But if you see Moses or someone else addressing God, it will say Lord. That is normally the word Adonai because he wants to show his reverence and at that point he doesn't even truly know God's name yet, but he wants to show that reverence to God. So Adonai implies relationship. And that's a new aspect of these names of God that we're dealing with. God relates to us, but the question is, how does God relate to us? Is He Lord or are we Lord? This word Adonai is used over 300 times in the Old Testament. It's used a phenomenal amount. But what does this name really convey? What does it mean when we call God Lord? The first idea that we uncover is this. The Lord is provider. Psalm 16 verse 2 says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. That draws to mind James chapter 1 verse 17 where it says that God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. You see, God always gives us every good thing, and without Him, we'd have no good things. We'd have nothing. God is so good to us, and He is provider. The Lord provides to us. But oftentimes, don't we treat God like a genie? 
Don't we treat him like a genie who just gives us what we need when we summon him? You know, have you ever caught yourself praying that way? God, give me this. Give me that. It reminds me of the movie Aladdin when the genie would say, Poof, what do you need? Poof, what do you need? Poof, what do you need? So we treat God like a genie. You know, phenomenal cosmic powers, itty bitty living space. <laughs> you know, we just want God to be gone when we don't think we need him. And then when we need him to provide, hey, come on out and help me out. We put God in that box. In verse 4 of chapter 16 of Psalms, it says, Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I love how the New American Standard Version of the Bible uh, translated. It says, The sorrows of those who have bartered for another god will be multiplied. Man, that's such a way to describe what we do sometimes. We barter or trade away God for these lesser gods, these things that we think of as the things that are going to help our life and make it better, when in fact they hurt us. So how often have you, I know I have, how often have you traded the one true God, the Lord, the Adonai, the giver of every good thing for a counterfeit God? Maybe it was that boyfriend or girlfriend that broke your heart. Or maybe it was that job that consumed your time and took you away from your family and your relationship with God that you thought was going to be the answer but never was. Or that search for pleasure that left you just broken and empty. Or chasing after possessions that only rusted and rotted and left you in debt and feeling alone. How did those other gods leave you? Like the scripture says, it multiplied your sorrows. It made it worse than it ever was before. But not our God. He doesn't leave us with shame and regret. He is the Lord, the Adonai, who gives every good and perfect gift. We also see the word Lord used for this next idea. The Lord is awesome. Now, don't get me wrong. I misuse that word. I use it too much for things that are not awesome. But our God is awesome. And the other day, though, I asked on Facebook for people to give me examples of times that they were in awe. And I got some really, really good answers. Uh, there's so many. I couldn't really begin to share them all with you right now. But here's just a few. There were several that talked about the birth of their children. And that was just such a cool thing for them to hold that little baby for the very first time. And they were truly in awe. And then there were others that talked about the answers to prayer for the first time in their life and how it just opened their eyes that God was there and He was listening. And then there are other people that talked about being in creation and they even shared pictures. One person talked about being in the Grand Canyon and seeing the sunrise coming up over the canyon. It was just awe-inspiring. And then a, a good friend of mine who I, I tell Jose's story all the time, his wife shared when he was baptized into Jesus, that was the answer to years and years and years of prayer. And he finally surrendered to Jesus and that inspired and filled her with awe. And then there was one that was really neat. A friend was scuba diving in the Atlantic Ocean and he was around a shipwreck. And when they turned a corner around the bottom of that shipwreck, they came upon this massive stingray that he said was literally large enough that it looked like it could have wrapped its wings around his tiny little Geo Metro car that he owned at the time. He said they chased it uh, and followed it away from the wreck site a little bit. And when he stopped and got his bearings, he looked up and he was out in front of the bow of this massive ship below the surface of the ocean. He said he thought he was looking up at the Titanic and he said he was just in awe of how small he was and how big and massive God's creation was and then even the man-made thing that were down below the ocean were. You know, and all these things are awe-inspiring in their own way. We saw, heard people talk about people's talents and abilities and meeting celebrities. All these things are awe-inspiring, but think about this for a second. If God's creation 
and people and their skills and abilities inspire awe. How much more should God, the Lord, Adonai, inspire awe in us? the creator of the universe. He truly should inspire awe more than we could ever imagine or understand. Isaiah 6.1 paints the picture so clearly. It begins there. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, Adonai, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they called to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth, and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord, Adonai, saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. You hear this account when Isaiah was there and he was put in the throne room of God and he sees this amazing, these amazing creatures that when they spoke, the earth shook and the temple shook. They worshipped Adonai. They were awe-inspiring themselves, but they were less than God. Our God is awesome and worthy of worship and praise. He is greater and bigger and more powerful than you I could ever imagine. And even though we're not fit to be in His presence, He still chooses to use us, like it says, and He makes us clean. And that's what leads us to our next idea that we learn about Lord. The Lord demands a response. You see, you can't ignore a God like that. You can't ignore Adonai when you understand you catch a small glimpse of his great power. And it says in Job 28 verse 28, it says, and he said to the human race, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom and to shun evil is understanding. If you really truly respect and have reverence for God, Adonai, the Lord, then truly you begin to have wisdom and understanding in life. If you feel like you can't figure anything out, start with trying to understand who God is and you'll start to have understanding and wisdom and live your life in a better way. If you understand Him, it says you'll avoid evil, but the truth is we all fall short. We all fall short of the glory of God, but He still gives us a way out. Daniel 9.4 says, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, Adonai, the great and awesome God who keeps His covenant of love with those who love Him and keep His commandments. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from Your commands and laws. And it's a reminder that God is faithful even when we're not. The Lord, Adonai, is so good that even when we fall short, He still honors us when we turn to Him. And we surrender to Him. Psalm 130 verse 3 and 4 says, If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, Adonai, who could stand? Nobody. That's the answer. Verse 4, But with you there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. God is so generous and so gracious that Adonai, Lord, loves us in spite of our shortcomings and our weaknesses. So here's the, the question next. What is your response? 
upon hearing all these things, seeing how God is truly the provider, how he's awesome, how he demands a response. What is your response? What's my response? Matthew 26, verse 20 is an account of the Last Supper when Jesus is there and he's washed the disciples' feet and he tells the apostles, he tells the the twelve that are there, he says, one of you is going to betray me. And they go around and they answer in verse 22, it says, they were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, surely you don't mean me, Lord. Surely you don't mean me, Lord. One after another gave that same response. And then you skip down to verse 25 and I want you to pay close attention. It said, Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Do you notice the difference? All the others said, Lord. But Judas couldn't bring himself to call him Lord, which I at least can respect that. He called him simply Rabbi, teacher, which was true, but was not the the level of Lord. So what do you how do you respond to God? How do you respond to His great power, to His great provision, to His great call for us to humble ourselves to Him? C.S. Lewis, speaking in 1942, and then that was published in the book Mere Christianity many years later, talked about a line of reasoning, a line of logic that he popularized. And it goes like this, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept him and his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Jesus didn't leave us room to just think of him as merely a good human teacher. He's either Lord or he's not. Does your life look like Jesus is Lord? Or does your life look more like Jesus was a lunatic? Has he changed your life from the inside out, every part about you? But I want to wrap up with this. You have to take note of this. It's so much more than lip service. Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 19, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. But not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, kurios, that Greek word, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Jesus was so clear. 
He said, not all those who even say Lord, Lord to me, will enter the kingdom of heaven. It's not merely enough to just call Him Lord. Your lifestyle has to back it up. Your life change has to back it up. When people look at you and if they see the secret places in your life, is He Lord of those areas too? Is He Lord of your speech, but also is He Lord of the way that you live in public and is He Lord of the way that you live in private? Who is Jesus to you? Is He merely a teacher? Is He a lunatic? Is He fire insurance? Do you just hope that maybe you don't have to go to hell and that's why you follow Him? Is He a backup plan in case you live in your life doesn't work out the way you want? Or is He Lord? Is He Adonai? Is He Kyrios? Is He Lord of all? I've heard it said many times, if Jesus is not Lord of all, then He's not Lord at all. What is going on in your life? What's keeping you from making Jesus Lord? The beautiful thing is, and we talk about this a lot because it's so important, is that if you want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt and have no doubts and wonders if Jesus is your Lord, then you have to die to yourself. And the Bible's really clear. It talks about in the book of Romans that you die to yourself at baptism and your old life is washed away, and you're raised up to walk in a new life. And at that point, when your old life has died and you're living a life in Jesus, He is truly then Lord of your life, Savior of your life. And when you've surrendered to Him because you believe that He's the only way and He's the only truth and the only life, He is the Lord of all, then you can begin that daily walk with Him. And that's going to require every day you making Him Lord all over again. Who is Jesus to you? Please let us know if we can help you answer that question. Help us to know how we can help you make Jesus Lord of all.